Contenders, ready! Hello and welcome to another edition of the GladPod in association with Gladiators TV. I'm David Blackmore and as always sitting opposite me is none other than Jousting Jet. (laughs) I think by now you probably worked out that I'm just literally googling adjectives that begin with J to give the jet for every episode. But this one actually, this one died, this one jumped out at me because Jousts was also an event on Gladiators. So it got me thinking, were you any good on Joust, die? Can you guess by my oh that actually, no, that's not a good one, good introduction for me. I, I did once, terribly. Um, <laughs> a tiny story behind that was because I, I'd ruptured um, a disc in my lower spine. Uh, so I had awful sciatica and uh, Nigel Lithgow uh, and the producers sent me to someone in Harley Street for an epidural injection to coat the disc so I wouldn't get the sciatica and the excruciating pain uh, and the weakness in my left leg Uh, it was wrong so they put me in the hospital in Birmingham near the indoor arena and I got a lumbar epidural which actually worked Um, I lost my legs overnight and I came in on crutches and within two days I was back in the arena going I can walk properly this is great I'm going to be gladiatorial again and um, I think in that series they stuck me on joust the once but of course I still wasn't strong enough (laughs) I was absolute so jousting chat really wasn't happening and I'm sure producer Paul will have the footage of it somewhere not my finest moment but I did a good dismount off the podium that's what I can remember for that David anyway <laughs> well there you go I didn't realise it was going to be such a story about joust I thought it was going to be a yes or no answer but there you go now you've probably heard us mention that this podcast is an association with Gladiators TV do you know what you may already be following them on social media because they're on Facebook Twitter and Instagram and I've got quite a big following on there it all leads through to a website that is run it's by run by the ultimate glad superfan and that is Paul Noddings Now, Paul has been instrumental in getting this podcast off the ground and and getting us the guests as well. And in the short time that I've known him, and Di, I know that you've known Paul a lot, lot longer than I have, but he is quite simply the oracle of all things gladiators. He just has, honestly, he has so many stories, particularly with like, you know, Hunter and Vogue, who we've had on before, you know, I said to him, these are the clips that I need, and he just dug them out so quickly. You know, he just, he knows his stuff. Um, he's also got his own glad journey, like like we all have, you know, like Di and me and Hunter and Vogue and you listening, you've all got your own glad story to tell. He, he's also been tied to and connected to so many gladiators for so many years. I mean, he was backstage doing like design work for gladiators whilst it was still on so that is why i wanted to speak to him as part of my own journey of discovery um, as part of this podcast yes i want to speak to cobra yes i want to speak to wolf and john anderson but i want to hear stories of 
everyone who lived and breathed the show. And Paul is the epitome of somebody who lived and breathed the show but managed to get their way in through being a super fan. It wasn't because they were athletic or because they were a presenter. It is because of him being a super fan. I think everyone listening is going to absolutely love listening to a fellow Glad fan's story. I think Paul has, and Paul will continue to play a key role in keeping gladiators alive, the spirit alive, and he 100% deserves this Glad Pod episode. He absolutely has, and do you know what? It gives me the pride, so much pride, and I, I do well up a, a, lot, a lot about anything Paul Noddings, um, that he not only was super fan, but we've now promoted him to producer Paul, because he, he doesn't just keep the spirit of gladiators alive. I think he he kind of helped help make the show as a young fan growing up with the show. He started to become the Oracle. There was nothing that went past everybody's knowledge on that show in front of the camera and behind the camera and a whole lot more that this young man, now this gorgeous man, does not no, so it really excites me to 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 have Paul on board amongst us, and now not as a super fan, but as our Oracle producer Paul. Oh, producer Paul, I li- I like the sound of that. Um, hopefully he will as well. Um, this is going to be a different Glad Pod for us. You know, it is. It's going to be a bit different, but that's what excites me about the journey that we're going on. That not all the podcasts are going to be uniform. We are going to hear from different people who worked on the show, different people involved in the show. And I hope to be sharing more stories from Glad fans in future episodes because to you, Diane, and to all the other gladiators, the fans made the show what it was. It made it the success that it was. They were so important to you then and they're probably even more so important now, aren't they, Di? It's really interesting. I, I Literally, the word backbone comes to mind bearing in mind again that the first the first episode that was filmed there was not many people in the audience so because no one knew what this show was this huge huge arena called gladiators they'd they'd sort of touted for this new game show being 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 filmed at the nia so a lot of local people were given tickets for this what is this what we're going to go see and so we literally had one block, and the NIA is huge. I think there's about 9,000 people can sit in that arena, like a, like a football stadium, but obviously covered. Uh, it's called Barclays Arena Stadium now, isn't it, or something. However, so we got these, <laughs> these poor souls, uh, which I think became some of our, the staple of the, bit, the Gladiator fan base in the very early days. And we sat them in one block. And so then the guys at LWT with their digital awareness of the time, we're talking early 90s, superimposed them as if they were around the whole arena. So throughout the whole of the first series, what you're seeing is actually one block of audience kind of made to look as if the whole arena is full because no one knew. And so from from day one, when we walked into the arena and we started filming to not many people live to then series two people could not love the money get in and be our live audience and each show took six to seven hours to film and we did two two shows a day that's a long time for people to sit it told us then that in reality not just at the end of the camera once the show had gone out on air 
that these people are already massively behind us, loving the show and willing to sit there for hours on end with a huge big set changes to wait for that 30 seconds or that minute again when it would be screaming and shouting for their favourite gladiator or their favourite contender to win, you know? And so our fans to this day, on all the fond memories, there's kind of, I think when you love something, that love never dies. Maybe the energy can change or whatever, but I'm a great believer in passion and love and those things that light us up particularly um you know as you start looking back and, and have fond memories of something you just light up oh i remember that and she was my favorite he was i love that event we all have that in our lives about a tv show that when we were growing up so these fans from the word go even the ones that were there in that first series sort of hauled in off the streets of birmingham you will come and watch this show and support these people running around in like um that you know they literally were were and still are the backbone of the show anyone listening you'll be you'll be still part of our backbone because some of you listening i know will be our original fans so do oh while we're there then please do get in touch and say yeah i was there from day one die david you know that would be brilliant wouldn't it yeah absolutely as always let us know what you think about this podcast and what you thought of the others please get in touch with your glad stories as well it's so important and we love receiving them the gladpod at gmail.com is the email address you need we're also on twitter Facebook and Instagram at The Glad Pod. Also, don't forget if you're listening to us on Apple iTunes, rate us please give us a five and leave us a really good review. We've had some on there that, you know, we've not really mentioned about leaving a review for us. So it's been great to one day I just opened it up and there are all these fantastic reviews about our podcast. So please do, if you get a chance, give us a rating. It must do something in terms of helping us go higher up the charts. I don't know. Um, but look, I think... We think that you're really going to enjoy this week's Glad Pod. I've made my pitch. I've told you why I think this is important. And actually, do you know what? I know there are a few of you who've been keen to discover more about this kind of secretive person that is Paul Noddings. He doesn't give too much away, does he? Well, here you are. We've got him sat down, root and branch. We're going through his Glad journey. Enjoy. Three. Hello and welcome to our Glad Pod and out of all of them, this is so important to all of you who have loved the show from the beginning as much mm. as many and many, many of us have. Our next guest is pivotal, central in fact, to having kept the whole gladiatorial spirit, spirit alive for nearly 30 years. He put all fans to shame, doesn't he? He, he does. He's the epitome of a super fan. <laughs> it is no, no, none other than Paul Noddings from Gladiators at Gladiators TV fame. So all of you who have been following us on Insta and Twitter for all those years, this beautiful, handsome man who's in our studio now, who's <laughs> a long-time old friend of mine, is that very person, if you've clicked on, and you're watching, you think, I don't recognise him. This is Paul Nollings, everybody. Paul Nollings, Paul Nollings. Welcome. Thank you. That was some introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, for me, the first question, the most obvious question is, when were you first hooked on Gladiators? Was it the first episode? Were you old enough, presumably, for that? No, it was definitely the first episode, but I think it was even before that. I think it was the the first TV ad that I ever saw. (laughs) Oh, yes, of course. Weeks running up to it. um, I was 10 years old, and I remember just catching it on TV and just going, what on earth is this programme? 
and literally it was all around school like you've got to be watching ITV on a Saturday because there's this brand new show and it just was something that we've never ever seen ever before for nine weeks from this arena 24 contenders will battle in epic competition such as you've never seen before won't pick on people their own size it's everyday people from all walks of life that will take on the might and muscle of ITV superheroes it's family fun the competition's electric the perils of the war the clash of the atmospheres, the awesome danger zone, the high-flying swing shot, the arm-wrenching hang tough, the brute force of duel. Event Sports Entertainment Series. The Gladiators! Starting next Saturday. And I was always a fan back in the day of like the likes of Thundercats and He-Man, and this was literally those characters as real life. Yeah, superheroes. And it was just yeah, amazing. What from episode one? What was it? What was it particularly about it? Though? Was it that superhero element to it? I think it was that, and then it was the graphics. It was the, the costumes, the music, the whole kind of the rock vibe to it as well. Mm. Um, and it was just like say the, the arena was spectacular. It was just absolutely everything about it, really. Because, of course, for the first series, no one knew about it because we were there in virtually a bare arena with however many people they could put on one stand, on one kind of whole block, which then had to superimpose around because no one knew about it. So from that very first one, it was all fresh and new to the, to the everybody in their living rooms. We didn't even know what we were doing, so we were all kind of fight feeling our way from riggers to crew to camera to timings on everything and on the events as glads. So no one could have been part of that first one. What does that feel like to know that you kind of watched something that was literally being sort of unraveled in front of the cameras. Yeah, I think I, I was just more gutted that I'd never heard about it before to be able to, to go and watch it for that first so that series. One, one you yeah, that was, yeah. That was, that was <laughs> That's the one series that I never <laughs> saw live and I didn't, I think, I'm not sure if they filmed it the same way as the later series. I'd never seen the American Gladiators before so I didn't literally have anything to compare it to. Um, but I just remember that literally every Saturday I was hooked. October 1992, Gladiators crashed onto your TV screens. A brand new concept in sports entertainment, it immediately captured the imagination of its audience, averaging over 11 million per show. The Sun's TV critic Gary Bushell called it a knockout battle game. The Observer, a futuristic adventure playground.
The Sunday Times, LWT's new big hitter, and they don't get much bigger and hit harder than the awesome hammer blows of Shadow. Let's take a listen to what some of the audience at Gladiator Arena thought. Better than wrestling. Better than Hulk Hogan? Yeah. yeah. Shadow is. What do you like about Shadow? Oh, he's a man. He's a real man. <laughs> I like the wolf man. You like the wolf man? Yeah, too? yeah. It's to be it's to wind everyone up. Dynamic, keep, keep the action moving. Rippling muscles. Brilliant, really good. Fantastic, never seen it before and the kids loved it. And then obviously all of the merchandising started with it, so it's kind of sat there with your sticker book on a Saturday night kind of watching it and trying to get all of the stickers in the oh. book filled up and yeah I think I was just at that pivotal age mm. where it's just captured my imagination so much and then you went to Wembley um, for the live series at, at, at the end so did how when was that advertised you must have been begging your parents so, yeah I was it was like for the Easter live show so it was the first time that the show had gone on the road it was advertised absolutely everywhere and I remember begging my parents going please can I go please can I go and they were like sorry Paul because I was from a northern town Darlington um, and it was getting filmed in um, well not filmed it was live in Wembley um, and they were like sorry it's too far too expensive because you had to pay for the tickets so I was absolutely gutted um, seeing competitions on TV to win tickets please can we enter sorry Paul no and literally the day before my mum gave me an envelope and it had this letter in which I've actually still got oh. I opened it up and I had never felt excitement like it I literally was screaming ran down the garden <laughs> ran back. and then before I knew it I was on the train to London and going into Wembley Arena for the first time and yeah, just the, the feelings, even now. Kind oh, of that, I've, I've got them as well. That's, such, that's such a lovely again, story. It's just everything that you'd seen on TV, the music, the atmosphere. Obviously, there was it was sold out, so the, the atmosphere with the, the audience was just even better than the TV mm. series and the first series. So, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. So you've, you've watched it on TV religiously, you've gone to see the live show, but when did you actually get to meet your first gladiator? Because the, 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 the thing with the fans that we, I think we've already got quite early on in, in this series already, is that they've all got a story. They can remember stuff from 30 years ago, just like that. Yeah, totally. I can get transported back to the exact moment. <laughs> so, yeah, what happened was Diane, Jet and Cobra were both in my local pantomime um, in Darlington Civic Theatre in 1993. And my next door neighbour where I lived, um, she actually worked for the theatre and she obviously knew that I was a massive fan of the show, I'd seen me on my parents' front wall, practising the games and beating up my friends and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and I knew that I was just a massive fan of it. So she was like, oh, Paul, come down and I can get you backstage to me, um, Jet and Cobra. 
I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. So I can remember getting ready to watch the show. I hated pantomimes, I still do. <laughs> I sat through the show to just get to the end of it. And then she came and she took me backstage and I can remember I had so much merchandise on. I had these big, massive Gladiators badges, Gladiators cap. So you, play, you played it cool then? You, you, <laughs> I didn't know what cool was back in the day when I was 10 years you, old. You tried to just keep it on the lowdown. I literally went for it. Literally every bit of merchandise that I could wear, I wore. You hung it on yourself, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, just met Jet. And it was just amazing. And I was actually really lucky because... Um, Scorpio and Hunter were there at the same time watching the show. So, That's right. I yeah, I remember that. you. You took me into this the restaurant next door That's and you introduced it, yeah. me to them all. Um, oh, and yeah, then that yeah. was it, really. And I went along <laughs> oh, with. Um, I was massively into graphics at the time, um, so my love of gladiators with graphic design, I kind of had merged the two. And I remember going with these little fact files that I'd pulled together for for Jet and Cobra, and kind of shyly handed them over of my piece of work that I'd done. And, and I'm sure Hunter and Scorpio felt like left out of it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know they were going to be there, so I don't even think I had their badges on. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah, that was basically the, the first time that I ever met them both. And, yeah, I mean, it just went on from there, really. Yeah, that was the start of, of an amazing journey, wasn't it? Yeah, massively. And... and I remember it very well because, you know, people said, what, Do you what were you doing in that panto? What panther was, was it? It would have been Aladdin if I was Scheherazade. And, and of course, Mickey Gobra was the genie. And I'd done a lot of musical theatre before yeah. in dance and choreography and other parts of another career. So it was very, it was home to me. And to watch Mickey kind of blossom on stage and do all his bodybuilding stuff and, and, and do his little bits of acting and all the fun. As you're right, you know, panto, it's either for you or it's not. Uh, but I remember you coming with your big badges on and your, your cap was bigger than you. Yeah. And I just remember your beautiful face and your smile. And and it was probably one of my first real exposure to somebody who so genuinely loved the show. And I felt a bond with you, actually, because yeah. being a local girl to you, to Darlington, I'm originally from Billingham, which is literally yeah. about 15 miles away from Darlington. I really felt a sense of... Here is somebody that I wanted to keep in contact with and then unfurls the rest of the story because we well, did, didn't we? That was your first ever design commission, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. We kind of, um, you got in touch about kind of doing something because of the amount of sheer amount of fan mail that you were yeah. getting and asked me if I would kind of come up with some designs for almost like newsletters and stuff like that. So I kind of went away and, and did some we worked together on kind of what they were and yeah it kind of went from there really and I actually got my first ever reference job reference was from Jet from Gladiator oh that which even to this day now when I go for interviews and stuff like that I still manage to sneak that in and it's always the main Brilliant. talking point of the whole interview yeah yeah so, yeah for I'm sure with many jobs and definitely when I was going to university when I went in for my interview and they were like you did work and you had references from Jet from Gladiators. <laughs> so 
so it's always kind of like yeah definitely been a, a help to me I remember when you asked me I was a bit kind of well, web, web, websites what are these well, they're so modern and they're going to be the future they'll, they'll never uh, last they'll never <laughs> yeah. last no. and I was amazed by and then of course it's an incredible progression that you've gone on to, to do ever since that you must absolutely love what you're doing but I think you, you could argue that actually at such an impressionable age as well to get those design commissions set you on that path to doing what you do today i think that's the, that's the biggest thing is like talking about the story and uh, and people often ask me about it and it's it feels sometimes that it's not real like to think of a a 10 year old doing all of these design works and kind of i did it from the the age of 10 onwards it just doesn't feel like as if it's something that would happen it doesn't feel like as if what a 10 year old would would do this work for gladiators and then be invited to the shows and go backstage to take photos and interviews and stuff and um, it's such a weird story to tell that it almost doesn't feel real but mm-hmm. it's, it is what it is and it it progressed from doing the kind of the newsletters and stuff for the for jets fan mail to then doing work for pretty much all of the other guys yeah um, well because jet introduced you to the rest of the gladiators backstage yeah i got invited down to the the filming um the year after and i remember diane was like oh and i'll get you backstage and you can meet the team and i was so excited but i got there and i remember holding my autograph autograph um, book and my pen literally walked in and shadow was in front of me (laughs) and i literally snapped my pen oh no i was just like so nuts i was shaking um it was just intense because i'd just watched the show seen it live again and obviously watching it for the the recording in birmingham it's quite different to the live show uh, in terms of kind of like how they filmed it and there was new events and everything um and it was just yeah unbelievable feeling and would you ever have envisaged i can't say it Back then, the relationship you now have, which we'll go into, we'll see what's on, on you know what's unfolded since, yeah. that you have, and how central to the show you actually are to this day. Definitely not. I, I always was just doing it very much because I loved the show and I loved the kind of the graphic design of of what I wanted to do and kind of doing the interviews and asking questions and very much from a fan point of view trying to find out what I wanted to know um, and building that relationship with the guys so it was always kind of just something that was kind of what I was interested in as a hobby I never ever thought that it would kind of spark off so many different ventures for me did you just start pen friending every one of us in that way Um, in those days you would send letters yeah it wasn't sort of what we have now yeah I used to do the fan mail but I think it was more for those moments backstage at Birmingham Mm. when I would do a piece of work for one of the gladiators and then they would show the other gladiators and they'd be like oh I could get that as well and even kind of I did I remembered for for Hunter I did these photo montages of where I'd kind of screen grabbed him from the episodes and kind of did this massive poster which he really liked and then once one of the other gladiators saw it they were like oh I want those graphics as well and even some of the security guys um, (laughs) Bob Maxey he wanted wanted his own kind of like memorabilia of like his time with the show so Mm. Um, yeah, I can remember doing basically work for it. Everyone just taking advantage of you. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Un- unpaid graphics work yeah. is what it was. Basically. Could you yeah. imagine if someone came to you today and said that we've got this group of people that all design work, all for free. Yeah. But don't worry, they'll be your friends. <laughs> but in, in what they gave me back, because um, like you say, I was so young and 
from watching these guys on TV, for them to be encouraging me and giving me the confidence in my work and for me to be transported from watching this TV show to them being part of it was just something that I don't... You could never buy it. It was just a once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience and it's something that has made me as a person and has kind of like really helped build confidence in not only myself but my work as well. So I think that there are fans like myself and there are fans like you who went to... You spent every summer holiday yes. in Birmingham. yes watching this so it was me my mom I just enjoyed watching it on the telly you know <laughs> well, yeah, the, the sensible route and then there's it was being in that arena watching it live is something that it was so addictive it was just this feeling that you just again you just can't buy it um, and it's a feeling that I've never had since so ever since the final episode if I could go back and just relive it it's almost like what people say about Christmas when you're a child and you kind of mm. wake up at Christmas and you oh, just want to feel that feeling um, walking into that arena was just a feeling that I can't even describe that last uh, that last show sorry the last show did you know it was the final one yes we did yes. so that must have been even more emotional yes for you. I was literally there me and my mum and my cousin were like almost like the last people to leave the arena and they did this shot for the final show where they turned off all of the lights so all of the blue neon lights went off and everything like that and we, we just stood around and it was really sad but it was really nice to have that proper ending the last series because really this is the ultimate challenge it certainly is and if you haven't guessed it by now it really is the last series of gladiators and who'd have thought eight years ago when we first started this show that it would go on for so long bring us so much joy laughter blood sweat and tears we've met some fantastic people here on gladiators we've seen dreams and, and hopes realised and shattered. It's been a fantastic journey. We're going to leave you with some of those memories. And for the first time on Gladiators here, it's not good night, it's farewell. Here we go. This is the end. Eight years I've been coming to this arena. Eight years I've been trying my best. And now it's all over. Well, I've enjoyed it. It's been a great time. And I'd like to say goodbye to all my fans. Um, and Gosh, know that I it was the last show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Diane, you were supposed to be in the final series, actually. I think the producers kind of came to you to, they did, to get yeah. you to compete. Um, and yeah, you've reminded me. Nigel yeah. actually called me. I, I'd not long got married. I was in my mid... about 26. I'd moved to my first cottage in Frencham, just south of Farnham in, in Surrey, and the phone rang. The old days of the phone being, like, in a, a place in your living room and you lift the handle up and you answer it. Nigel... Jet. Nigel, hello. I want my jet back to say goodbye. And that's literally what he said. I'm like, oh, Nigel, you flatter me. He said, no, seriously, I really would like you to come back for this last series. But I, I got so scared by my accident, and mm -hmm. it was a near uh, neck break, which was, would have been a little little rough. So I said, you know, I, I couldn't do any of the hike. Hang Tough really was an event that I was quite strong at. Yeah. And I said, I can't envisage myself, Nigel, being able to do the high falls again because the high falls really were where the accidents happened. He said, oh, we'll rig it. We'll, we'll rig it so the rig's let lo really low down over the mattress. So it's not a 15-foot drop. It would only have been a 5-foot drop. A drop's a drop, that, by the way. Uh, and we'll rig the cameras and shoot upwards to make it look like you're up much taller. And I just remember thinking, though, no, 
I can't. I just... But if I couldn't perform to the level that I once could, then I wouldn't. But that now to hear that, that's what you all did. Was it just you and your family, or were there certain special people? Were the gladiators allowed to stand there on that last one? Yeah, I mean, it was... The gladiators weren't there. I think they did shots afterwards. Right. It was literally just, yeah, it was. It felt like as if it was just me and my family really there. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, just turning off the lights, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, because, like, literally... They filmed it so quickly, so it wasn't in August, it wasn't in the summer holidays, um, and they kind of had to squeeze it in between other things. Um, so it didn't have the massive audiences what it had previously. It mm. felt more intimate. They didn't have all of the cheerleaders and stuff mm. like that. So it was definitely kind of more rushed than the, the, the other years, really, but it was really nice to just be able to say goodbye and... and just know that that was the last time that was going to be there rather than kind of have that ending where it just ended on TV and you never got to go back again. I suspect because I'm only a few years younger than Paul that I probably didn't, I missed out on all this stuff, but (laughs) the Gladiators newspaper, I had no idea what this was about until you told me about it. Yeah, no, it started off with the magazine and then progressed on to this Gladiators newspaper. But So it was official, was it? It was official, yeah, it was made by, I think it was the Birmingham Evening Standard. Oh, right, so, okay. It was a proper official piece of merchandise that started off as a one-off edition I think and then it sold so many during the filming that they then so it was during the filming period so it, unless, unless it went all year so there was about I think in total there was probably about 15 editions of the of the newspaper that kind of was was published and obviously you got involved with them yes and so they'd heard about the work that I'd been doing with Diane and obviously like I say it was quite a, an interesting story purely I think because of my age of, of me doing this work so they kind of had got wind of, of this story and, uh, and asked me if I would kind of give them an interview so I can remember going down there with me and my mum and my cousin and did the interview and spoke to them about why I was in Birmingham and I was there to to watch the show and, and get all of this content for the newsletters because um, I also did as well as Jet stuff. I did these twenty p newsletters called Gladiators Updates that I was kind of yeah, I was gonna, yeah. Out, and the fans would literally send me a stamped addressed envelope, and then I'd send them these monthly newsletters with all of the latest. And were these all your ideas? Because this is actually yeah. the the the, 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 uh, the previous version of what you'd now be doing on Twitter every day. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you were no, doing it, was, it naturally. Or yeah, what? it was literally my my idea. Um, got permission from um, LWT. Um, to do it they kind of asked me to send in a few examples and who did you have to approach for that by um, it was actually a lady called Anna Conrich oh yes Nigel Lithgow that's um, the legal side wasn't it yeah, yeah and yeah, they were okay. like as long as you're not making any money the quality stays <laughs> um, <laughs> up to the standard of what you're doing we're, we're happy for you to do this so I kind of was doing that and fans were sending me stamps dressed envelopes for me to then send the newsletters back to them every month I'd have phone calls with the production office and they'd tell me the latest news of what was happening and then obviously get some of the content from backstage and for scoops like that yeah Um, so yeah that's what the the Gladiators newspaper had kind of picked upon and we did the interview um and then yeah it kind of went a bit awry and a bit crazy Um, so basically they had done the interview like I said and, and they found an angle of the story that was something that I think was said in in kind of a joking statement. I can't remember if it was my mum or if they'd actually heard from one of the other fans that basically they'd said that I'd cancelled a family holiday to Florida (laughs) 
in order to go to Birmingham to watch Gladiators. And oh, what was the headline? If it was, it must have been Jet something. Yes, the headline was "Family Cancels Florida Holiday to Jet to Brum," <laughs> and it was literally not even lying. It was in every national newspaper. <sighs> Do you still have the cuttings, the clippings of that? Yes, but locked away. Yeah, because they've taken photographs of me with my gladiators banner and my mum <laughs> and my cousin. But even when they published it, they said that my cousin, Bev, who's only a few years older than me, they said that she was my mum. <laughs> oh. So they'd got loads wrong. Um, and the true story was that I hadn't cancelled the family holiday. The family holiday was supposed to be in the six weeks holidays, but that's when Gladiators was happening. <laughs> so we moved it to October. Oh, so I, I still see. went to Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the press attention to it, because they give quite a strong angle on, they brought a lot of Diane's personal life into it at the same Any time. Any excuse. Um, so <laughs> as a 14-year-old, as I was at the time, it Bless was you. mortifying. It was front page of my local newspaper in Darlington. <laughs> oh, my dad, who was still in the northeast while me and my family were in uh, Birmingham, was getting hounded by the press. They were knocking <laughs> on his front door, knocking on the back yeah. door. It was absolutely crazy. And Did you know about this? Do you know what? I didn't, because I, by this point I'd have been oh, living in London, Surrey, for easily 10, 13 years, and very little connection other than visiting my own family back in the north mm-hmm. once, twice a year, which is the, which is what I would do for yeah. little celebrations yeah. and things. No, I, I didn't know a great deal. I'm learning about this now. <laughs> but I, I was aware there was something, so I remember we did have we a... We did, yeah, I remember we did have a chat, me, you, and I think it was one of the producers because I was absolutely mortified. I felt like as if this story had come, but because it had dragged loads of stuff in about you as well, I felt quite responsible for it. Um, And I remember you pulled me to one side and you were like, Paul, don't worry about it. It's Mm. absolutely fine. It's nothing that will be forgotten about. It'll be tomorrow's shit paper. Unfortunately, in the North East, it was. Whenever I would walk down the street, it was people shouting, oh, there's that Gladiators boy singing the theme tune. So, yeah, and it never did go into the Gladiators newspaper, which was my most gutting thing, because I wanted to be in that newspaper, and I never, ever was. So Was the deadline a lot after? Was it further behind then, the deadline? Was it, like, so far that they thought, oh, it's old news now? No, they just literally must have sold the story to the national newspapers and just thought, well... That's And with with the uh, the Gladiators update newsletter, how how because this is also so foreign concept to anyone who's under sort of twenty five. So you would have advertised it somewhere. So basically, it was in the Gladiators magazine where they had a pen pal section. Where again, looking back now, it would never happen. No, you used to send in your name, your age, your favourite Gladiators, (laughs) and your street address. And then you'd just get letters from people. And then I'd be like, oh, yeah, I was too busy to reply to them personally. So I would send out this newsletter and then word kind of got around and that's uh, kind that's... Of how it had happened. But, yeah, it was from... And you kind of almost got more access off the back of that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It seems to be today, if anyone gets good access or scoop, they suddenly close ranks. But suddenly you're like, yeah, get more, get more stories. Yeah, definitely. I think the, the producers were so savvy with kind of knowing that if they could put the news out and keep the fans interested, then it was only going to grow the fan base. And there was always so much going on with, is this gladiator going to leave? Who are the new gladiators? What are the new games? There was always so much to talk about. It was a huge machine. There was never a point where there was something that wasn't happening. 
Um, so it was just massively interesting to do. At what point did you actually get a sense, or did you at all, that you're kind of quite important to the show? Pivotal, even <laughs> in that in that journey. I, mean, yeah, I, I think I can't report. He, he still doesn't think he's pivotal. To no, <laughs> I still very much think of myself just as a fan watching it, and just so lucky that I've been invited to so many different things over the years. Yeah. But I think the one moment that I had was when it was like, oh, this is a bit interesting. Was when it came back for Sky One, and they got in touch. with I was going to ask what you thought. Of yeah, that. Um, and by this time, the newsletters had kind of transformed into the website which was massively popular and they got in touch through the website and was like look we're looking for to bring the show back and we would love to get your thoughts as like a, a really important person in it i think other people had already spoken about me so they were kind of was that the first time it dawned on you that you were the important person yeah yeah (laughs) and so they invited me to the filming i got like a tour of the arena before anybody else and got to meet all of the gladiators and they asked me to be the official blogger for this the sky one gladiators wow. website so again i had all of that access to the backstage and um, doing interviews and photos and and um, then managed to kind of they told me that they were going to do this legends episode and they wanted to get some of the others back and because by sorry i'm sorry to jump in yeah. but what is it like by this point you're actually putting together a sort of schedule about how to introduce new gladiators yeah. what is going on in your head and thinking when well, the old guys are going to come back and what are these new guys like what was going on to it see a, this new show come yeah, together it was something an absolute important. dream job to do it was like everything that i'd wanted to do and and um, to like i said to just be involved with it was fantastic um it was weird to see the show come together. Obviously, it was quite different to mm. the original show, but the fact that they were bringing back the legends and they were asking me, oh, have you got contact details for this one? Have you got contact details for this one? And to be able to be the person that made some of this happen was fantastic. And to bring those guys back, and I think that's what all of the fans wanted. Mm. I know there's mixed opinions about the whole Sky One version of the show, but I think the best thing that could have happened from it was that we got three episodes of where the old guys came back and, and were back in the arena. And then obviously we had Jet and Hunter doing all of the online videos as well. Videator. So, yeah. Brave warriors, terrifying gladiators, and big phone hands. Yes, it's everyone's favourite way to skive a few minutes off work because it's this week's highlights. Was that your idea? That wasn't my idea. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a privilege now for us both. We would walk around backstage with a little high eight, I think it was, and just one person on sound. And James and I would be like comparing the old wall to the new wall and, and just the slight differences. And then we had the wonderful opportunity, of course, to go and film in a gym, sports specific training for each re- event from what we would have done. Yeah. But it was, it was a very exciting time. But do you feel it had lost its atmosphere just simply by the small? It was Shepparton, wasn't it? Yeah. A smaller yeah. shooting lot, rather than yeah, opposed to the it, huge arena. I, I think that was one of the biggest things was that it just didn't have the atmosphere yeah. of the original. And um, I think as as much as what they did good, I think they really tried to do a really good show. But I think they kind of took it down an avenue where it lost its authentic the authentic element that the original had where they tried to make the characters of the gladiators something that maybe perhaps they weren't. That's the one point. You know, this forum, they did a forum where they called Wolf, uh, John Anderson, uh, James Hunter, myself, 
and, and, and all these uh, the Sky people, the very high up Sky people, all sat around this huge table, this, uh, this meeting, this interview. And they went around the table saying, in your opinion, James Hunter, Jet, da, 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 what would you say that we need to do with this new show? My one point is exactly what you just said. My one one and only point that I felt I could bring to the table was don't overproduce your gladiators. Yes. Let their personalities evolve. And I'll never forget, we were walking down the corridor just doing some grab, grab little, little Vox Pops interviews with some of the new glads. And I think it was Battleaxe or something. They called her uh, the redhead. Uh, she was a shot putter. She was brilliant, really strong female. And I have to just say at this point, the new glads, the, the, the second generation, were phenomenally brilliant oh, athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Better athletes than I, well, we all were the first time, because then you had to train better. But she marched by, she had a dressing gown on, and she had a choreographer mincing behind her, and she had uh, a makeup artist, and there was like an entourage for each glad. And I thought, that's where it's gone wrong. That's where, if it does go wrong, it's almost like it was too... It wasn't allowed to be organic and fluid. Mm. That was my yeah. only personal yeah, no, opinion. Definitely. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you saying about, like... I think uh, little No Point Leanne here needs to spend a little bit less time trying to perfect a battle axe hairdo. And you and your husband need to spend a bit more time in the gym. Oh, so, so horrible, that one. Yeah, it just lost that variety of like uh-huh. you, they kind of had the same gladiators on the same events and kind of yeah, you, they were all quite mean as well. Whereas like the original show, you had that kind of if they <laughs> did well, then they would compliment the contenders. Whereas there was a, a bit of a villainous element yeah. to the gladiators. Mm. Do you think that's guys. what the producers really wanted? Them to I do think like? so. Yeah, I guess there's that whole element with like kind of WWE wrestling yeah. and stuff like that, which I think quite a lot of them actually went on to to being really yeah. successful in, yeah. in the WWE as well, so yeah. The Big O. I've got to say, Big O, the boys did do pretty well. I'll tell you what I say. Average scores for average Joes, you know what I'm saying? And I'll tell you something else. The minute those boys stepped into the Ozone, they realised that they had to resort to palming in people's faces just to get to a pod. I'll tell you something else, pal. I hope you do get through, because if you and me come face to face, I want to smash you right up. Tornado, what were you saying to the audience during that? I just say this once. I'm the baddest. I'm the meanest. I'm the toughest. The master of disaster is back in business, baby. You better understand. Thank you, master of disaster. Well, I have to ask, obviously Jet was clearly one of your favourite gladiators. She leaves in 1996. I mean, is that a bigger blow than actually gladiators ending in 2000? It was a massive shock. I remember going to Wembley. Um, oh, you, you were there? Were you there for it? Well, the, the live shows were, were paid for and were quite different, but I wasn't there for the My accident. accident. <laughs> um, I was there at the show, I think, the day after. So I remember going along getting ready to sit and watch the show and all of the gladiators kind of got introduced with the theme tunes at the start of the show which was massively exciting and then there was no jet and everyone was like where's jet where's jet i remember everyone literally around like and then nigel lithgow came in and he was like unfortunately jet's not here because she had an accident on pyramid and yeah you just think of these people being superhuman so you're like all oh, right okay she'll be back tomorrow she'll be back tomorrow yeah <laughs> um, but then as the kind of the weeks went on and 
I think again going back to the Gladiators newspaper there was an edition that went out um, and there was one edition saying Jet I'll never quit and literally the edition after it was Jet I quit (laughs) 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 Um, which was really yeah I just remember reading it and I, I could understand obviously why but I just knew for me then it was probably never going to be the same again Um, I think unfortunately the show kind of when you left Diane had experienced quite a lot of serious injuries aside from yours um, which I think fundamentally changed Mm. what we could do in the later series Mm. unfortunately Um, and even though they brought in some fantastic gladiators um, and Rebel who kind of you had a bit of a overlap with because she was being tested out in um, in your live shows, she kind of came along and kind of almost picked me up from where I was with the graphics work and and kind of did very much what Diane did for me and progressed mm. confidence wise. And I went oh. on to do her official fan club and did loads of merchandise for her because she was obviously a very kind of successful Olympian as well. Mm-hmm. And that kind of propelled me on for the the later series really as well it's strange watching watching it now as an adult and watching it when i was a kid all these background of the gladiators kind of went over my head like you when you look at them like you know olympics you know athletes gymnastics all of this you forget you just see them as these superheroes you forget exactly, and yeah. some of their backgrounds are phenomenal totally yeah and i think that was a massive thing what again the the original series did was they used to do these time out segments where it would be the gladiators and they weren't in the gladiators costumes and they'd be talking about their background and as a fan that's kind of what you wanted to know because mm. these mysterious superhero characters and you kind of the hunger to know as much as possible about them was like yeah as a fan you just wanted to know everything for, the, for these people um, so they were very clever I thought the producers with those kind of time out segments where they'd give you just enough but not everything so you kind of always wanted to know more um, mm, that's really interesting you, we used to enjoy doing those bits as well because it meant we weren't getting hurt <laughs> <laughs> so you've had, you had all this access yes. you must have surely had a go on some of the events Sneakily, yes. Did you? I did, what? yes. So when I was backstage, I actually, I remember being stood there with my mum and she's really cheeky, my mum, and she was like, Paul, she was constantly pushing me forward because I was quite a shy, nervous child and I, even though I wanted to do it when I was in the situation, I was kind of like <gasps> a bit overwhelmed and she'd be like pushing me forward going, go on, Paul, go on. And we were backstage and there was an atmosphere. <laughs> and she was like, Paul, get in the atlas. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't, I can't. We'll get told off. She said, get in that atmosphere. <laughs> she in. took the door off, lifted me in. A huge metal, everything. <laughs> got my photos in it, gave it a bit of a move around steadily, which was fantastic. And then also got to climb the wall, which Did was amazing. You? Yeah, without Without a harness. No, with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh so that was fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, luckily enough to get some props from the show as some of the gladiators left and then when the show ended. So, yeah, Nightshade gave me her pugil stick. Oh, camera, wow. Um, fully signed. So, yeah, that was the first time of owning a piece of the show. Which Where'd was... you keep your memorabilia? He's not going to say. He's not going to say. It's actually pretty much all in my mum and dad's attic at the moment. Ah. But, uh, <laughs> a few pieces that I've kind of got out my place in London. But, um, yeah, and then the final episode, Hunter, when they had the final game of Powerball, he 
threw a power ball at me oh. um, to keep. So I've got that fully signed um, on loads of the costumes that were kind of left over. Some of the tracksuits, wow. helmets. You, you've cleaned them though, yeah. <laughs> the costumes, I kind of don't really touch them. They're just in a box. And, yeah, oh, God. Don't, really, don't really go there. Um, but I have got Jets framed with the original sketch. Um, that Stephen, the uh, the Steven costume designer, yes. yeah. So I've got oh, the wow. first costume uh, framed with the original sketch um, of that like, he did of the. Design, what the one with the where the pants were like Bridget Jones's? Yeah, massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of like my prized possession. Because I've that. got that one, so he must have done two. Oh, that's right, we he had two, two that weekend. Yeah. They were really, ex- yeah, they were really expensive as well because they were all hand painted. That's right. Um, I know. <laughs> I must admit, Mickey Cobra, he was he was sharing with us. He didn't he didn't particularly like his in some way, <laughs> But I know Stephen worked so hard. Yeah. On and there was his pride and joy and all hand designed and hand done. Yeah. And you still got it framed. I've got it framed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've gone from you know newspaper piece never made it to pen pals and newsletters to the blog for Sky. When did Gladiators TV um, website start? So. In various kind of different names, it had already been going since 1998, I think was the first year that I kind of launched the website. And I remember having a word with Ken Warwick backstage going, I really want to do the website, I really want to do the website. And it was back in the day of where websites weren't really that important for TV shows. Mm. And he was just like, yeah, go ahead, that's fine, do it. So I kind of launched it then. And it was there was nothing else for Gladiators really online, and it's kind of stayed around ever since then, really, in various different names. It was kind of called Gladiators Zone at one point. Oh, that's, and was that you? That was me, yeah. yeah. And then it kind of transformed into the kind of more official Gladiators TV, um, because I actually do it with association with the American Gladiators creator who owns all of the Gladiators franchise in America. A we really lovely guy awesome. called Johnny Farrell. <laughs> yeah. Johnny. Um, and and Paul has a contact. He's going to put it in contact, yeah. and we're going to get him on the show. I want to get all of this. This is the background of how they must have. They must have sat around the table and go, "I've got an idea for a show." Yeah. I mean, that whole creation. And we're going to we're going to have a wall, and we're going to run. run they're going to chase up the wall, but the contenders are going to get a head start, yeah. which, which Cobra did not like. Yes, yes so Cobra didn't like any of that. Sort of thing. But again, how they conceptualise even the events and the whole thing about having these these sort of superheroes time gladiators she says i can't believe i'm saying that about myself i'm talking about myself but not myself and and like normal everyday people i guess for me it was like one of the first proper reality tv shows where people get a backstory they get chance to you follow their journey Mm. uh, in the arena all the way to that final and by then you are like Eunice Urquhart the one probably most famous female contender in the UK show and look at her story and particularly now with where she's at it's mm. amazing which we'll come to at some point but um, your life must have started to sort of change quite a lot throughout all of this did it kind of shape you quite heavily journalistically because I know you're not quite a journalist you're in tech and design yeah. but you must have that real part of your brain to be able to bring these stories yeah, together yeah I love like producing stuff so right. whether that be interviews and things like that and it goes back to kind of the first reference that you kind of gave me which I kind of wanted from a design point of view but you said I remember there was a line in there saying but you always ask the right questions and I thought oh do you know what I quite like that side of it as well so mm. kind of yeah the the design and the, the production side of things have really kind of propelled my career and like I said earlier kind of having that confidence from 
your heroes on TV to kind of give you that confidence to kind of push yourself even further and something that like you say most people have been um, influenced via sports to kind of be fit and healthy and athletes and stuff like that whereas the gladiators for me was all like they pursued me as a graphic designer and made my career that way Um, but it's helped keep gladiators alive though hasn't it yeah massively I think there's always something to find out there's always some piece of information that comes to light that nobody knew there's always international versions so I've recently been finding out a lot more about the Japanese version which I've never there's seen a Japanese there was a Japanese version It was around 96, I think. Yeah. Um, so I've recently been sent some video footage from some of the Japanese gladiators. Right, so let's make a pledge now. Watch the footage and we'll do we'll do a podcast purely on the on the Japanese version because yeah, that sounds it's, epic. It's, <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> They take the same events as us. They had, it was a very it was almost part of a quiz show, so it was kind of like they had a quiz element. Oh. And oh. then they had a gladiators section and then a bit more of a quiz section, I think, at the end. Alright, well teams of contenders. We need to we, we, we need we need to we need to watch these and we need to we need to do an episode yeah, on this. Versions are hilarious. Some of them are amazing, um, but yeah, like you said, there's always something to. We find need out. you back to pick your brains on every single one. Oh, absolutely. Cover the whole. Well, world. that's the thing. That's the thing with a gladiators podcast. You can't do its service by just speaking to a few gladiators. You've got to do everything from the set design to Ken, the photographer, yes. to you know, to the people that created, the people that brought it yeah. over here, the producers. Yeah. There's so many stories to be had with it, and and I think for me, what I hope comes out of the podcast is hearing all these stories reviving the memories of, yeah. of people and also potentially a, a glad con yes. i mean wouldn't i mean that'd be fantastic wouldn't it yeah that's that's my next kind of ambition like is all of the comic-con events that again i've been helping out with recently to kind of book certain gladiators and there was one literally a few months ago where hawk from series one yes um, i got in touch with him to see if he would be interested and he was like yeah go on then i'll give that a go and it was so good to just meet up with him again and really pull some of the guys who kind of were there in the very early days back into it again and it got me thinking perhaps that if we could kind of create a gladiator con event where yeah. it's purely gladiators get some of the costumes out of storage and get them on display perhaps get some photo shoots with the original <laughs> pugil sticks so yeah it's very early stages but I think I would love to do that and it to be as much of a reunion for the gladiators team as much as it is for the fans to to kind of meet them I would love to kind of get the whole just think how many we could do a live podcast there yeah. we could do you know yeah. in little chats of everyone and the other thing as well saying all the different angles it's fans as well like we we've been hearing some great stories of people that said i met so and so here and so and so there and that's what it's all about as well i mean i weirdly have met some of my best friends either (laughs) through being at the recordings in birmingham or through when i first did the website when it was on tv we used to do every saturday 
when the show ended, there was a glad chat, like an online chat forum. And Jet, you actually were a special guest one time mm-hmm, on, that, yes. on that chat room. And yeah, I, I kind of met up with one of my friends from there who I knew from Birmingham. And yeah, she's my one of my best friends now. And it's like progressed from gladiators um, into kind of just yeah, everyday life, really. Should gladiators return? Oh, it's a tricky one. I'm kind of in two minds. I think it was very much a show of its time obviously looking at the sky version which came back quite short-lived there was rumors about them kind of taking that for the next series possibly to the national indoor arena in birmingham to try and really kind of get some of that atmosphere back didn't happen health and safety obviously with some of the events would they be able to do it as well as what they could back in the day i would hope so because it would be on a personal level i would love to kind of be involved with it again and have some of those feelings that kind of remind me of back in the day but I am kind of in two minds of whether it could capture the imagination as well as what it did back then just purely because there was nothing else like it back then whereas now yeah I'm not sure I'm not sure I'd love it to but yeah I would want it it would have to be done in a really good way with enough budget behind it on a, a really prominent channel I would hate to see it kind of Yes, it needs to be given the kind of the, the credit and the platform that it deserves. It's such a big, Definitely. glamorous, all-inclusive uh, Saturday yeah. night. Well, very expensive show, as well. Very expensive, expensive show to do. Yeah. And we couldn't quite afford your fee today, so we're going to have to say goodbye to you just <laughs> now, Paul. But Paul, not, Paul Noddings at Gladiators TV, will you come and visit us again? Because we've got so much Definitely. to cover. Definitely. Especially a Japanese version as well. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Thank you so much. Oh my word, I'm lost for words. Not only is Paul Noddings the Oracle, he is one hell of a nice guy, David, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. It was so good to hear of his glad journey. And I do like this term, glad journey, because I think, as we've said before, it's not necessarily just about the gladiator. It's also about the contender for the audience member, for the crew. Everyone has a different glad journey, don't they? They do. And and I, it's... His is very, very special. Obviously, there's no kind of a hierarchy here, but from the age of 10 and the link that he had with me personally, which I feel very flattered about. And I think it was more geographical because obviously I was working in Darlington with Cobra yeah. and the yeah. and all that. But there was that special bond and that bond was made. And I didn't realise just by doing a reference for him and what were these, what's this web design? What's a website in the days when they weren't even a thing? And just look at what... What he's gone on to do not only for us and the glads and everything that is gladiatorial in the world but in his own career absolutely and i think for him being hooked at the age of 10 and watching the telly every saturday he was almost kind of the right age at the right time wasn't he in terms of becoming a, a potential glad superfan and he kind of almost puts me to shame a little bit as, as someone who like him would watch it every saturday but he really watched it every Saturday. You know, he, he, he the stuff that he knows that you just think, how does he know that kind of information? It's just fantastic. And I, I really enjoyed the story he's telling about that surprise when he he, had, he hadn't gone to see the first series because obviously it had it'd already been recorded, yeah. but that he'd got to go to Wembley to see the show live. And, you know, to go from Darlington to Wembley for a boy of his age at that time as well, 
it, you can just imagine how happy he was at that. Yeah, that is quite a journey uh, down from Darlington uh, to the NIA. Um, I rem- I just always remember his, his smile, and his smile's not changed. Yes, he's, oh, I, I could get very personal. His beautiful smile with his <laughs> just gorgeous eyes and his big full lips. And it's not changed one bit. He is still that little boy, but now as a grown man version with that gentle lilt in his voice and, and his he's palpable his love and his genuine kind of motherboard of a as a, the motherboard in his brain is I'm sure it's just it just says gladi- gladiators and that's it you know it, it's still I, the, the, the funny story I found was that the fact that he he wanted to meet you in Cobra after Lepanto yeah. in Darlington, as you said as well. But he still hates Panto. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I don't blame him for that. Having done 21 Pantos and having a musical theatre background, if there's one thing, I, if anyone had ever said, oh, you'll end up doing Pantos, I'd have gone, excuse me, no. Um, no, not for me. Uh, but I did, and I ended up absolutely loving them. But it, it, the irony there is... I'm sure that he, you know, that's that's like that flags up quite a good thing actually. If there are names in pantos, whether you like the the, the genre of a panto or not, and you want to see your favourite soap star or gladiator, you were there, whether you liked it or not. And you know what? In Paul's case, he got chance to make that first genuine person-to-person connection with two people he's gone on to be the backbone for the oracle about mickey and cobra and myself forevermore and i'm sure has impacted and shaped his life conversely oh and 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 for the better as well and i think the one moment and I've, i've actually i've watched it back now the the final show and i can remember watching it on the telly and i've watched it back now and and seeing that montage towards the end but just hearing it from paul's side where he actually talks about just him standing there the lights had been turned off and him just standing there and thinking that's it and he stood around for ages even when they they came back in and started sort of dismantling everything and you just think about I don't know whether it's almost like a relationship breakup or losing a a loved one or family member. Just, you know, that was his life for eight years plus, you know, and and to suddenly just have it end like that. The the emotion that he must have gone through in that final show, it, it... it must have really been a trauma for him. Well, it is. I mean, you you know, I'm a, a psychotherapist and, and, and things like attachment and loss, which is like such a key theme that we all do in life because you know, our lives are shaped by the attachments we make to a job title, to a pet, to someone we love or a show that we love. I can just picture that young man again with that beautiful face and that kind smile, but that smile kind of disappearing as the show and the arena get stripped bare and he still stood there and it must have been actually quite traumatic because it was a huge vehicle to kind of start shutting down and he was watching every kind of little move of it going well this is it yeah you know what would have been going on for him then and it, yeah quite something even now i think wow that's huge who would who would do that to themselves yeah paul noddings <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm putting you on the spot a bit here die did did you carry on watching the show after you left and, and can you remember when it ended no i didn't and I'm, and I'm being really honest with that i was still in the throes of i want to disassociate from the show and it's only because where i was in my life in terms of maturing and 
I want to become a psychotherapist and a counsellor. How is anyone going to take me seriously if they've seen me in my Lycra? Uh, you know, so I had to have had to do, I'd got married and yeah, I'd moved into a different phase of my life. I was very fond of it, but I didn't. And I wish I had now kind of supported the show right until its very end by watching it. But I found it really difficult to watch because I left after an accident and I found some of it like, oh, the big falls would, would literally make me feel quite poorly. So I didn't. Um, and I regret that slightly because it's it was just such a magnificent show. I could watch it all now, um, no problem. But at the time, I, I didn't. And I think he does talk about actually the moment that you left because um, he did go to all the live shows as well. And, and he, he can still remember that 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 moment that you left and he knew when it was announced that you weren't coming back and in in his words it was never going to be the same and I, and I think that probably is reflective of quite a, a few glad fans but as we've said previously as well for every time that you know a wave of gladiators left for whatever reason there were mm. new gladiators that mm. came in for a for a new audience yeah. for another 10 year old absolutely absolutely and that's how all the best shows are they evolve and they bring someone in for a similar demographic or something completely different and and the show was full of that it was kind of like a box of quality street yeah everybody's got their favorite what is your favorite in a quality street <laughs> i knew you could ask that oh, it has to be anything to do with caramel something that's a firm caramel but not the buttony one so that pulls my fillings out <laughs> or, or my veneers out rather <laughs> i always i always like anything with nuts in it there's a hazelnut yeah. one isn't there yeah there there, i'm is. sure there is um and the other thing that i really liked from from the chat with paul and i don't know i can understand why it hasn't got off the ground just yet because obviously we've spoken a lot die previously about mm. you meeting people at sort of you know uh comic-con events yeah. and paul talking about wanting to take make a glad con and and i do think i genuinely do think there would be legs for it but the trouble trying to get an event like that off the ground is i can understand why he hasn't done it and and i'm just hoping that through this podcast we can actually start to build up some momentum to actually make yeah. it happen even if it is small to start off with yeah absolutely i mean i've been to a few comic cons now and i think the location will be key uh, and somebody with a business mind about hiring the venue making sure all the right gubbins are in place i mean i've done enough of them to to know a beat but the location because you know glad fans were obviously very much middle and central but they were all over the country and it's just being able to make sure I mean the comic cons I've done down at Stoke con Trent for instance you know these people spend a lot of money travelling across the country on a train they they queue for hours uh, we'd, I'd want to make it more fluid or be part of something that's more fluid that is it makes it more accessible because you know it costs and things like that if we could make it so it was accessible and a real celebration of the show um, and I think you're right maybe start small uh, and, and do a couple but yeah I, I think it's a great idea <laughs> get me <laughs> oh comic con organiser uh, but I think Paul's the man to do it I think that yeah, I agree yeah I definitely agree. <laughs> yeah don't put it in my hands <laughs> we, we, we will support him through our voices we on will. the podcast <laughs> And as you alluded to when well, before the interview, die, um, I think it's only fair now that that Paul is now very much part of the team. And you said I liked what you said earlier, producer Paul. I think that that rings quite true, doesn't it? It's very true. He's got to be in on this now, moving forwards. And um, 
I wonder if we, we if well, let's hand it over to him when we next get a chance to be with him as to what would be his gladiator name, beginning with P, so we can do these cheesy intros and outros with producer, gladiator, P- Paul. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. That Podcast is... Paul. Podcast, Podcast Gladiator. I don't sure. I'm not. Sure, I'm not sure. Gladiator. Well, no, if you can call Gladiator Vogue, then I'm pretty sure you can probably just pick any name that you want. And, and <laughs> as long as you, as long as a person's got the right attitude and personality, then they can probably pull that off. But yeah, yeah I think. <laughs> It's only, and it'd be good as well when we have got some of the other chats coming up. It'd be good to try and um, weave some sort of Paul Nodding's isms into some of our, yeah. our chats as well, because I know that he's so connected with so many of the gladiators. Yeah, but is. we're really keen to hear from all the Glad fans. And as always, you can email us at the gladpod at gmail.com. They can also get in touch with us on social media, can't they, Di? That's right, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And they're all called The Glad Pod. It's easy. Be lovely to it hear It would from be. You. And as always, we'll leave you with these very wise words from everyone's favourite gladiator narrator, John Sachs. Good competition, good spirit, great sportsmanship as both contenders show mutual respect. Join us again next week for the ultimate challenge, the might of 